Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. I want to welcome you again, as you've already been welcomed to AFA. It is uh, great to gather in this way and during this time. And actually, before on that, uh, before we go any further, I just want to thank all of the teams who have helped m- really make this possible. There have been so many people who have been working behind the scenes to put this production together and really, uh, in this way, continue the ministry that, that has been brought to you for, for many years. And uh, what a joy it is to gather together. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. And this is actually part two of a message that I began last week, uh, really dealing with the resurrection. We're calling it Seeing and Believing. Uh, if you want to go to the uh, website, afa.church, it'll give you part one of this message, Seeing and Believing. It's the one that we had outside. It was a re- great resurrection day just a week ago, but it was cold. You can also find this on YouTube. Just uh, Google in Gary Wildman Chosen Frozen or something like that, and you'll find it. Man, it was cold, but we had a great time. I want to thank you. If you were here or you were watching or listening, we want to thank you for joining us. So again, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 20. If you were here last week, let me just give you a little bit of a, uh, an update on, on what happened. Resurrection Day, it was a Sunday morning. It was early in the day. And the Bible tells us that Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, came to Jesus' tomb, and there she found it empty. There was no one in the tomb. She assumed that Jesus' body had been stolen. The Bible says that she then went and told the disciples uh, that that the, the tomb was empty. Two of the disciples, Peter and John, the Bible says, uh, came then to the tomb. They also looked in, and, and it says that they saw also that Jesus, that his body was missing. Uh, they, they found it empty. Uh, they, they did not yet know that Jesus' body had been resurrected, that, that in fact Jesus was alive. Verse 8 of John chapter 20 there says that John, there he refers to himself as the other disciple, it says he looked into the tomb and he saw that it was empty and then it says, and he believed. Don't misunderstand that. It's not that he believed that Jesus was alive. It means that he believed that what Mary had said was true, that there was no body in the tomb of Jesus. Uh, Because verse 9 says, they did not understand that Jesus would be resurrected. Many times, a number of times during Jesus' earthly ministry, he had told his disciples and others that he would die and on the third day following be raised from the dead. But they didn't have a whole lot to hang that on to. They, they didn't understand the full context, at least like we do. And, and so it was very difficult for them to comprehend this, that Jesus was in fact alive. Again, the Bible says that, that they left and, and Mary, who was still standing near the tomb, then saw and spoke with Jesus. Uh, I really believe that it was probably one of the greatest moments, if not the greatest moment, of Mary's life. I think for the rest of her life, she looked back on that day. She remembered with, with great fondness and great tenderness and great joy the fact that she saw and spoke with Jesus. She holds the unique distinction of being the very first one to know about the fact that Jesus was alive. The Bible, again, says that she went back and told the disciples that Jesus was alive, but they still had not seen him. The disciples still, even though they heard that he was alive, 
still had not seen that he was alive. See, there's a difference between hearing that Jesus is alive and seeing and believing that Jesus is alive. You know, I think of, of how the, 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 the fact of the resurrection and Jesus' death before that are, are, I've pointed out before, two of the, the most important, the two most important events in all of history. It's, it's well documented. Many people have written a lot of things and, and it's generally known or generally heard about that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. But it's a very different thing from hearing that as, as an historic event and then believing that Jesus is in fact alive. These people, these disciples, they heard that Jesus was alive, but they hadn't seen him alive. Now go down to John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day, in other words, still Sunday, but now it's not Sunday morning, but Sunday evening. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, it says, with the door locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, let me explain. There are, of course, 12 disciples, but only 10 of them were here in this room. We know that the disciple named Thomas was absent, and the disciple who had been known as Judas was, was dead. He had taken his life. But again, here it says that, that Jesus suddenly stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I look at this, and I find a little bit of humor. They're in a locked room. They... They, uh, they're, 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 they're afraid of the Jews, so they, they're hiding themselves. But no locked door is uh, ever uh, an impediment to Jesus. Suddenly it says he appeared, and the first things he said were, peace be to you, which is, was, is a very good thing to say rather than something like, you know, behold. Uh, can you imagine the shock that even with peace be with you, how, how shocking that must have been for the disciples. It must, have, it must have been just so shocking and surprising and yet wonderful to see him there suddenly appearing in that locked room. Jesus was alive, and now they were seeing it. In fact, in verse 20, uh, it says, Jesus showed them his scarred hands and, uh, and, where, his, where the nails had been driven into his hands. And it also says he showed them his scarred side where the spear had been thrust after he died on the cross. And it says this, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I want you to understand the sequence here. Mary, Mary Magdalene, saw the empty tomb and assumed that Jesus' body had been taken until she saw the resurrected Christ and then she believed. The disciples heard what Mary had told them, that Jesus was alive, but they were not overjoyed until they saw the resurrected Christ and then they believed. For her and for them, seeing was believing. Seeing is believing. Hearing about the fact of Jesus' resurrection is one thing, but actually seeing it and experiencing it is far another. You know, I think of how people grow in their walk with Christ. At some point, they, they surrender their, their lives to Christ. They realize that, that they're broken without, that they're eternally lost, that they're, they're bound in sin without Him. 
And the Holy Spirit moves upon a harp. Somebody brings the message and, and the gospel is shared. And, and, and it's not just a, a mental understanding of what has happened, but rather there's this, this, this internal experience and you're drawn to Christ and, and they surrender their lives to Christ and then they begin to grow in Christ. There are many people in our congregation who are newer believers. We're very grateful for that. In fact, even in just the last five or six months, we've seen many people come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you are listening to me right now. And you're growing in your faith and you're seeing that, that, that what you have believed or what you've begun to believe, this relationship with Jesus Christ is, is uh, becoming more and more real to you. In fact, it's becoming more real to you because we're going through some challenging times. And now you're seeing that your faith in Christ is more than just a statement of belief, but it's something that you're very much depending on. You're looking to Him for your strength. You're looking to Him for your hope. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad uh, were very committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm grateful for that. When, when we were small, my brother and I, my parents would share with us the things that God had done earlier in their lives and how he had proven himself faithful. And they told us miracles about how God healed them and God provided for them and encouraged them and strengthened them through some really pretty big challenging times. I referenced one a few weeks ago. And that, and that meant a lot to us. It was good for us to hear that. But I found that it was even more important when I began experiencing those things, when I experienced God's healing power, when I experienced his miraculous provision, when I experienced his encouragement, when I went through some really dark times and I saw God strengthen me. You see, it was, it's one thing to hear about it with someone else. It's quite another to experience it yourself. <laughs> My kids have since grown up and I would tell them about how God was faithful to my wife and I, their mother and I, and all of those years and how he helped us. But now it's their turn. And you see, that's how it is with every generation. With every generation, they, they have to not only hear about Jesus, but experience him themselves. There's a difference between, between believing and then seeing and believing. A difference between hearing about what God has done or how, hearing about what Christ can do and really experiencing what he is doing in you. And some of you are experiencing that right now. Some of you are, are being tested in your faith like never before. And, and you're seeing and, and you're experiencing God's miraculous provision. Some of you are wondering about your jobs. Some of you are concerned about your health or the health of, of a loved one. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that that, that this, this thing that we call faith in Jesus Christ is more than just a mental assent. It's more than just a cognitive function of, yes, I believe. But more than that, it's something that we can hold on to. Faith in Jesus Christ is, is more than just, I believe in a doctrine. It's, I believe in a person, the living person of Jesus Christ. I mentioned a few moments ago about Thomas, that he was not present in the room on that that Sunday evening of Resurrection Day, he was absent in that locked room. Uh, when Thomas later heard about this, I'm sure the other disciples told him, he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and my hand into his side, I will not believe it. 
In other words, he's saying, uh, I hear what you're saying, guys, I, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that you're lying to me. I just want to see it for myself. Uh, I, I want to experience him myself. You know, we're kind of hard on Thomas. In fact, all these centuries later, somebody who, who, uh, who is doubting, we sometimes refer to them as a doubting Thomas. And I think that's kind of unfair. I actually appreciate this man who, who said, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but I want to experience him myself. That was Thomas. Look down at verse 26. It says, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors, this is going to sound familiar, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, if you're counting, this was the second time that Jesus had appeared in this way. <laughs> They're in a locked room. They're in this place. And there's no one around. There's few people that know about them. And suddenly, the locked door not being any kind of a, a barrier, Jesus suddenly appears. I, I can't help. It doesn't say it, but I can't help but wonder if, if one of the disciples went up to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, would you start using the door? You're giving us the shakes. But again, Jesus, he wants to be with his disciples. But here's, here's my opinion. I think, I think Jesus went, not for the other people's sake, because it's the same kind of a thing, same words, same, same uh, set of circumstances. I think Jesus went not for the other guys. I think Jesus went for Thomas. I wanted, that he, he wanted him to experience what the others had experienced. Jesus told Thomas to... Go ahead and put the finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus wanted Thomas to experience him personally. He wanted him to experience him personally. Thomas touched Jesus. He, he tangibly, he physically touched Jesus. And in verse 28, he said this, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You know, before this, I, I looked. I looked through the Gospels. Before this, Thomas had never declared Jesus as God. For three years, for three years, Thomas had traveled with Jesus. He had closely observed Jesus. I'm sure that if you would have asked Thomas, uh, what, what are the amazing things about him? I think he probably would have said he's an incomparable teacher. He's a, he's a compassionate man. He would, have, he would have said he's a close friend. He would have even said he's a miracle worker. I think he would have said all of those things. But because of the resurrection, because Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead, Thomas believed that Jesus was more than all of those things. Thomas knew and Thomas believed that Jesus was God. He believed that Jesus was God. You know, I hear this a lot where people, people they, equate, uh, they equate other religions with Christianity, with the, with the, the message and the, and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I know that a lot of people, you know, they, they say, that ah, sounds really good, you know, that, that there are a lot of ways to God. And if you're just sincere, if you just follow those, those principles of that teaching or of that religion, then you'll find your way to heaven. You'll find your way to God somehow, some way. It's a popular statement. It's an absolute lie. Because if there were another way to get to God, then what Jesus did on the cross 
What Jesus did because of the empty tomb was an absolute and incredible waste of time. Jesus was unique. Jesus is unique. It's not just a set of teachings. It's not just a kind person. Not just a bunch of miracles. Not just an encouraging person who started a world movement. No, Jesus was and is God. That's what sets him apart. That's what sets Christianity apart. That's why there is only one way to God the Father, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, those are his statements, Jesus' statements. There's one more uh, response, if you will, to the resurrection that I want to read to you here in John chapter 20. And that is, it's our reaction. It's, it's, it's your reaction. It's my reaction. Uh, after Thomas said, my Lord and my God, in verse 29, Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, the last part of that. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That statement is directed to you and me and to everyone else who's been living since that time. You see, like you, I've never seen Jesus. Not with my, not with my eyes. I've never seen Jesus. If I would have, I, I, I would tell you, <laughs> If I ever do, I'll, I'll let you know. But I've never seen Jesus with my eyes. I've never seen his hands. I've never seen his side. I've never seen the scars there. I've never been in a locked room when Jesus suddenly appeared. Yet, like Jesus said, we can still believe without seeing him. We can still believe without seeing him. You see, I have seen the effects of the resurrection. I mentioned to you about last week, and man, there was a, there was a guy that I was working beside last week. We were getting everything ready, and, and uh, it, it, what a joy to see my friend, Jerry is his name, to see him so excited about resurrection day, and his family were, was here, and they were in a car, and and Jerry was helping us get some, some things set up. And I didn't even ask Jerry for his permission if I could do this. I'm just doing it. But, but Jerry was one of those guys who's been transformed. The power of the resurrection changed his life, changed his family's life. They're, a, they're going in a whole different direction because of the power of the resurrection. I've never seen Jesus in physical form, but I've seen Jesus on people like that thousands of times. I've seen the effects of the cross, and the resurrection in people. This gospel still works. The resurrection's powerful. I've seen the, the, the changes, the, the transformation, not just changes, not little tweaks here and there. I'm talking absolute transformation where the, the people even look differently because of the power of the cross and the resurrection upon people. You know, right now, 2020, we're, we're roughly, you know, 20 centuries removed from that, that resurrection day. We're, we're, we're 20 centuries, a whole lot of history removed from that time. 
But the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all around us. The power of the resurrection is all around us. In fact, it's the power of the resurrection that, 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 that gives me more encouragement than, than anything because I see the power of God in people. Because of Jesus' resurrection, because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, our sins can be forgiven. Jesus took care of that on the cross. And I don't, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know how many times you've done it. I don't know what you've done. But I know this, that there's no sin that's bigger than my Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you can do that, that is outside his power to forgive. Some of you are wondering, yeah, I, you don't know what I just did last week or you don't know what I've done in my lifetime. But I know that God is bigger. The power of the resurrection affects even that. Our purpose is altered. When we come to Christ, when we experience the resurrection power, our purpose, our reason for being is, is different. Our world is made better. And by that, I mean at least our part of it. I, I referenced someone earlier. His, his world is better. His family's world is better. I know hundreds of people just, just in this congregation whose world is better because of the power of the resurrection. Our present is made bearable. Oh, man, some of the things that some of you are going through right now, some of the challenges you're facing on a, on a daily basis, it's hard. But our present is made bearable. He gives us strength in this life, not, not just the hope of eternal life and the promise of eternal life, but rather he gives us strength right now. Makes this life bearable. Makes it great or, or a lot better. Thank God for it. Also makes our future brighter. A lot of people are despairing right now. Uh, some people are even giving up hope. But I tell you what, in Jesus Christ, we've got a, we've got a, he, he has a plan going forward. Wow, what a peace that comes. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Man, I, I still that still resonates within me. And finally, our hope is secure. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. He made a way for us to live eternally with him. And he's the only way. There's no other way. Don't you buy that lie. A lot of people will tell you a lot of ways. No, there isn't. There's one way. His name is Jesus Christ. Before we're done this morning, I want to pray with you. So wherever you are, would you, would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for the power of the cross and that seeing and believing, uh, seeing and experiencing you, Lord, uh, makes a difference in our belief that it's not just something in our minds, but something in our lives. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to strengthen and encourage people, that your word would minister to them but above all else, Lord, may we be reminded and may we share this, this powerful message that there is only one way, and that's you. Thank you, Lord, you made it possible. Your time on the cross, that grave, Lord, that you, that borrowed grave that you used only for a time. Thank you, Lord. The power of those events changes our world today, changes us for eternity. And I pray, Lord, that every person listening or every person watching will, will get a hold of that message that, that there is salvation in you alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And I pray your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to thank you for joining us. God bless you. It's so good to be a part, uh, have you be a part of AFA and what God is doing here and what God is doing going forward. God bless you. Go in the power and in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ.